What worked for you in 2023? What didn't work for you? What data did you collect about yourself, your work, and your relationships? What do you want to take with you into 2024 and what do you want to leave behind? Yes, it's that time of year where I share one of my favorite and most fruitful practices of looking back and looking forward, my annual debrief. I share some highlights from my debrief along with my favorite TV shows and movies of the year. Now, my debrief practice teaches me the power of pausing, reflecting, especially on my words of the year, and honoring lessons learned, victories achieved, wounds that needed care, so I can look forward more clearly and confidently. And this year taught me a lot. I'm Rebecca Ching, and you're listening to The Unburdened Leader, the show that goes deep with humans who navigate life's challenges and lead in their own ways. Our goal is to learn how they address the burdens they carry, how they learn from them, and become better and more impactful leaders of themselves and others. All right, y'all, just a brief note, we are still counting down to my 100th episode. And a special thank you to all of those who have been listening from the beginning and a welcome to new listeners. I am really excited that you all have been on this journey and I'm really looking forward to all that we're going to be sharing in the new year. If you feel so inclined, it would be such a gift if you took a moment to leave a rating, write a review, and share this podcast with those you think may be interested and benefit from it. That helps us get the word out about the show and it'd be a fun way to help celebrate us moving towards our 100th episode achievement. So thank you for listening. I'm glad you're here. Now, I do these debriefs regularly throughout the year, and it's meaningful to pull the lens back and look at the year as a whole, what worked, what didn't work, highlight struggles, victories, and how I honored my values and my commitments. And I love to reflect on how my words of the year guided me through all I desired and committed to. Now, the words I chose for 2023 are space and pace. (laughs) Little did I know how these words would kick my butt. (laughs) Now, after focusing on slowing down in 2022, like slow and bold were those words last year, with my words last year, I craved more space on my calendar and in my mind and my life. Now, I often joke that my eyes are bigger than my calendar, and I decided to dig deeper into creating more space, physical and emotional space. And that meant putting the kibosh on overcommitting and the feelings that come with being overbooked. But here's the rub, right? I love my work and my family, and I often struggle to separate who I am and what I enjoy outside of those considerable loves. And my focus on space and pace led me through a pretty major recalibration around my identity and my capacity that I'm only beginning to understand. Now, for those who understand the mind-body connection, I know that's many of you, the pull to return to status quo is something fierce when you try to shift homeostasis, right? How you do things all the time. I felt it this year as I shifted my schedule and my pace and my focus. 
parts of me would get really loud screaming judgments when I wasn't working, parenting, cooking, cleaning, producing. And it was odd. And at some points, I was wondering if this space and pace focus was worth it. But I knew I was on a detox of sorts as I began to switch my homeostasis. So looking back, like Q1 was book solid. And I had completed another level one IFS training as a PA. I did a foundational training with the Right Use of Power Institute. And I took this really cool training on how to facilitate high quality online experiences. With all that going on, my husband, and it kind of happened quickly, he started a new job as an assistant principal and his availability outside work shifted dramatically. Now, it was so cool because I watched my husband with awe and respect as he entered a tough job with intention and integrity. And so the rest of us and our family, we needed to step up and support him. So it was all amazing, (laughs) but I was cooked. And something hit me by the end of January, early February, and I look back and see how the previous year's scheduling, which flowed into Q1 of this year, impacted me for the worst. And I saw and continue to see this in those I work with. It's it's a powerful wake-up call because we can't give what we don't have, right? So I dug deeper into giving myself space and tried to start to keep life simple, which meant untangling from my previous experiences and habits and patterns and commitments. It felt weird, but very necessary. So Q2 and part of Q3 felt like just a big recovery. My mental health suffered and the struggles showed up and it was odd. They showed up when I was not producing or working. So when I was doing all the things, I felt great. And as soon as I stopped, I just like dipped. But I felt in my soul the craving for more space. And I began to reflect on what I want this next season of my life to look like outside of just like launching my kids to college and planning for retirement or looking at the existential crisis our democracy is in. And I see how many of the leaders I work with are also rumbling with their relationship with work, well-being, people in their lives, identity values, and everything going on in the world. And it feels like we're all in a snow globe that continues to shake. and It just is not settling. But I suspect we're waking up to the cultural burdens around grind culture, capitalism, individualism, just to name a few. And I held tight to my commitment to not commit to anything new this year, unless it was for pure fun or out of necessity just to keep life going. And I'm not a big FOMO person, but man, I fought FOMO for real and a lot of self-judgment, as I said no to some really cool professional experiences. But I did attend some fantastic live concerts, live music, Oh, that's medicine. It heals me. And seeing Adele at her Las Vegas residency last spring was pure magic. Like I could reach out and touch her, but I didn't because her bodyguards are right there because she did this whole bit where she walked around and it was just like jaw dropping magic. And we also saw Ed Sheeran live and I've never been like a huge fan. I'm not like anti, it was more like a neutral but after what we experienced in his show, I am now a huge fan. 
And I love the collective energy of live music. So like seeing Pink perform live, shoot, that was thrilling and inspiring. And she had Brandy Carlile open up for her and then came out later on and they did, they sang Nothing Compares to You to get, I was, it was just, I mean, Sinead, Prince, the whole thing for me was just, wow. Now, this was not a concert, but I enjoyed attending Alok Venman's comedy show when they performed in San Diego. And their fusion of poetry, comedy, and cultural commentary was nothing short of brilliant. Um, so that that was powerful. And I was really grateful to have space just to be at my kids' stuff this year. Now, I used to play softball. My husband used to play baseball. And so we were thrilled that one of our kids was into baseball. My son uh, played baseball and he wrapped up his little kid baseball career this year. Every spring, our we have a little little league in our neighborhood that's like kind of a big deal. Like people go and watch games even if their kids aren't there. And his final spring season, he had a, he had a fall season with fall ball to our sister league. But his final season at this spring league, um, he had this incredible coach. Like really, it was an incredible human. And I loved watching him lead my son and his teammates. I saw my son grow in the sport in ways he would not have without this coach. And I saw just, the again, the Captain Obvious stuff, but the power of doing the reps that, that you know at their practices, which inspired me to dig deeper into some of the basics in my life, like really basic hydration, sleep, movement. And if you see me in real life, I'm walking around with a huge jug of water all the time um, because like being hydrated is a game changer. Life feels more spacious when you're hydrated, people like super basic, no fancy life hacks here, just drinking the water. Right. But also really focusing on my sleep and my movement, not as chores or ways of colluding with diet culture, which is hello, so hard even for me and all the training I have in that space, but as investments in my life and my future. And I, I'm going to be digging more into this in the new year and build on these practices I developed this year and continue to reflect on the rhythms and the reps that um, I'm going to build with these. Our family went on this wonderful holiday. We had to change up our vacation because my husband's a new job. So we went to a place a little closer, uh, a town called Cambria, which is a magical California coastal town. And I wonder if our future may have roots in the central coast. Our family needed the reboot and I could see the stress of the year with all the transitions we've been through because a big part of my spring too was advocating for my daughter, which brings me so much joy and love and also lots of frustration. And I, again, was like, as hard as those conversations I had to have with so many people in my daughter's life, I was so grateful that I was creating more of the space just to do what mattered so much to me. And I kept repeating on repeat to so many people, inclusion is inconvenient. People don't, they didn't like it necessarily, <laughs> but um, you know, and these, I, I'm grateful for the space to even have hard conversations, not only with those in my daughter's life, but with my daughter but also with myself, I realize I'm still working through my ableism and a very dated and harmful definition of success and uncovering and shifting my ableism will 
probably be a lifelong process. And I really am grateful for all I'm learning about neurodivergence. And I love to support the leaders I work with who have neurodi- who are neurodivergent. And it's becoming more and more of them. It's like almost like a subspecialty of mine because so many people are getting later in life diagnoses, especially in our work together. And it's been fun to help them build a life and a business that supports their nervous systems and supports them thriving in their ways, not these prescribed ways of what it means to be successful or professional. So Q4 started with my first in-person conference since 2019. I know, yowza. (laughs) And I celebrated that time away. That was a, a real important space moment because my husband came with me and the kids didn't. And I love my kids. And my husband and I, we really struggled to get time away without the kids for a lot of understandable reasons, logistical reasons. So going up to San Luis Obispo was a delight and another reminder of how much we love the Central Coast. If you have kids in school, this time of year can be hectic. Yet I was noticing I was starting to feel the fruits of space and pace. I was noticing even though the kids were busy, my husband was busy, I had a lot going on. There were a lot of logistics. I was noticing my nervous system calming down instead of revolting as I did more wondering and wandering and having like spontaneous conversations with neighbors and friends from afar and planning and having creative sparks to finally get going on my book proposal, which will also involve just writing for the heck of it. And I'm noticing the backlashes of not everything being super packed in and compressed, you know, starting to have an impact. I'm starting to see some of that self-trust showing up. So as 2023 winds down, I celebrate the no's that kept me from overcommitting and the yeses to my well-being, my relationships and creative practices, especially in my garden. I have so much, so much more to learn. So my words of the year help me reclaim a life that worshiped the false gods of productivity, ugh, optimization, efficiency, urgency, the kinds of work that grinds us down even when we're doing good stuff. Now, I read this recent excerpt from Anne Helen Peterson's brilliant culture study substack that took my breath away when I read it, and it put words to so much of what I've been feeling as I debrief my year and my focus on space and pace. And I suspect you might relate to this excerpt where she's unpacking her work and writing about burnout. And she said, it was an incredibly useful exercise for me, just thinking through it, recognizing its shape, character, finding words to express the feeling that I must work all the time, but also I feel like a fading smudge of gray on the wall of my own life. And I think it was useful for others who found themselves in a similar place. The contributors and contours might have been different, but there was something valuable about having words to describe the feeling. It reminds me of the idea of sociology as a form of, quote, ungaslighting. It helps you understand that if your problems are the result of structural forces, then you're not the only one dealing with them. And moreover, it's not your fault. 
at least, well, not entirely, maybe not even mostly. And that, that was powerful. I had been blaming myself for my own struggles within the system for so long, thinking it was a failure of spirit, of work ethic, of tenacity, whatever. Every day I came with a new way I wasn't doing enough and could do more. So writing about burnout the way I did, essentially avoiding the self-help model entirely, gave me the permission structure to chill out, to take stock, and stop trying so damn hard, at least for a second, a minute, a day. Amazing, huh? I mean, Anne really summed up so much there. And then another substack that I follow, Laura McGowan, who writes a lot about sobriety and writing. Um, she had a, a post this summer where she had a couple quotes that also stopped me in my tracks. And she quoted Parker Palmer, a Parker Palmer quote where he said, is this the life I'm living the same as the life that wants to live in me? And I'm like, oh, dang. That was, again, when I was kind of in that end of recovery period. And I thought, okay, what does that mean? Like, and I, I still, I'm still rumbling with that. Like, what is the life that wants to live in me? And this is something I'm wanting to percolate more as I go into the new year. And then Steve shared a quote from Stephen Covey who said, you have to decide your highest priorities and have the courage, pleasantly, smilingly, not apologetically, to say no to other things. And you do that by having a bigger yes burning inside. Okay, so I'm not sure it all has to be smilingly, especially to the women out there, right? But I get his point. But I, what I'm taking away from that is like getting really clear on what is that bigger yes burning inside of me. And I'm wanting to find something that is bigger than just work, um, just family. But I mean, again, those are my my loves. And there's so many other things I love to do. But I'm just playing around with that. And Laura in that subsec also wrote about these quotes too, is it served as a guide and a reminder that although I was saying some painful no's, they served what I wanted most to use my voice to write. And writing is a big thing on my action plan, how to incorporate that in some different ways in my relationship with writing. So as I look forward to 2024, I choose rhythms and reps as my words for the year. And I hope to dig deeper on what I'm learning about myself and my relationship, not just to work, but how I want to do life and relationships. So those are some of my debrief highlights. Now on to my favorite bits of culture this year. Leading is hard. It is also often controversial as one navigates staying aligned to one's values, mission, and boundaries. Navigating the inevitable controversy can challenge your confidence, clarity, and calm. Now, I know you don't mind making the hard decisions, but sometimes the stakes seem higher and can bring up echoes of old doubts and insecurities during times when you need to feel rock solid on your plan and action. Finding a coach who gets the nuances of your business and leading in our complex and polarized world can help you identify the blocks that keep you playing it safe and small. Now, leading today is not a fancy title or fluffy bragging rights. It is brave and bold work to stay the course when the future is so unknown 
and the doubts of the pains from the past keep showing up to shake things up. Internal emotional practices and systemic strategies are needed to keep the protector of cynicism at bay and foster hope that is both actionable and aligned. When the stakes are high and you don't want to lose focus, when you want to navigate inevitable conflict between your ears and with those you lead, when time is of the essence and you want to make hard decisions with confidence and clarity, then Unburdened Leader Coaching is for you and where you deepen the capacity to tolerate the vulnerability of change, innovation, and doing things differently than the status quo. To start your Unburdened Leader Coaching process with me, go to www.rebeccaching.com and book a free connection call. I can't wait to hear from you. So at the top of the list for podcasts is the Conspirituality Podcast, Maintenance Phase Podcast. Maintenance Phase did this really excellent two-parter on RFK. Both of those, both Conspirituality and Maintenance Phase, they do such a good job of digging into things citing sources and even, you know, showing, <laughs> they humanize and show some level of, of of respect for the people they disagree with. And they don't dehumanize those, even though some of these people that they talk about do some really shitty things. Um, but this series on RFK, th there was stuff I knew about, like RFK has been speaking a lot about vaccines and impact on autism. And it's something for a lot of obvious reasons, right? I have looked into and read a lot about and that's been debunked. But what they talked about is the study that was misquoted. There's a book that I still need to get my hands on written that Whitney interviewed all of the people in that study and how horribly the families and the individuals they studied were treated. I mean, the lack of ethics. And I mean, again, it's so horrible. So I want to dig deeper into that. But I mean, just such rich stuff. And then I just uh, watched a live podcast. It was on TV uh, with Chris Hayes, who has a Why Is This Happening podcast. And he had Rachel Maddow, who's a fellow co-host on MSNBC, talk about her book prequel um, on what we can do to save democracy. And it was actually really moving. I had my husband watch it with me. My husband, for those of you who don't know, is a historian. And I often get him to listen or read things to get his smell test on to, so I don't get suckered into some things that are out there. And there was so much beautiful wisdom there. It wasn't, it was just really rich on her writing process, how she ended up writing this book. But she talked about 2024. This is kind of my summary, but I it, it's really how I've been feeling also. But she said 2024 is going to be a weird year. And it's going to be really important that we connect with our people and in our community and talk about things other than politics and to surround ourselves with folks who aren't necessarily just like us, too, and to connect with our neighbors and just to be in community is going to be essential in real life. And it's something I've been really focusing on in our community, in our neighborhood, um, it almost feels like a spiritual practice. And so, and then she said, if you care about democracy, then find races and states that are where there's a lot at stake and get involved. And I just, I just love that call to action. So 
I would definitely check out that episode. All right. So what I watched and oh my gosh, in my space and to help quiet (laughs) the noise between the ears, there was a lot of fun shows to watch. But I have to say, okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about Taylor Swift. I am not, I would say I'm a Swifty by admiration of her business prowess, her leadership, her creative process, her her strength. I Her music, I like, and I've been digging into it a little bit more, just like reading her lyrics. I've never been drawn to a lot of her music, but I'm kind of been drawn into the whole orbit of the Swifty world. And it's been so uplifting. It's been medicine to watch what she was doing at the Eras Tours and talking to people who went to the concerts, but seeing like she surpassed the, you know, the movie industry and just went right to the movie theaters with her deal for her movie and how she treated her whole crew and this whole thing with her and Travis Kelsey. Like my whole feed is now dialed into Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, and he and his brother's podcast. I just love, I mean, it's just been like this it's just been nice. I don't know. And and then and friends clips because rest in peace. Oh, Matthew Perry, that one that one felt hard. He was definitely was one of those celebrity crushes, but I just loved him on the show and followed his career, loved anything he was in. And so watching these friends clips too has just been very therapeutic. I don't know. It's just been really, really powerful. But yeah, like I have been self, like I've been just like decompressing with clips of Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey and his brother's podcast and friends clips. And I have a very good feeling that I am not the only one, but just mad respect for Taylor Swift. I mean, I just get it. And her business savvy, her talent, her endurance, her commitment and you know, I watched a documentary about her a few years ago, and that's, I think, where things started to change. And I went, dang, she is one incredible leader. So just had to just acknowledge that. Okay, some movies. All right, where do I start? All right, I recently just watched Nyad. I was blown away and bawling by the end and have so many thoughts about that. You know how you watch a movie or a show and then you do the deep dive Google search, right? Because you're not ready to be done with it yet. And learning a little bit more about her and her personality of so many questions, you know, just her recognizing that even her commitment to swimming isn't an individual sport, it's a team sport. And her friends, her crew, but also her drive on never giving up. I mean, I have parts of me going, but sometimes it's okay. But that was just not going to work for her. Some people I know, they get something in them and they have to just, whether it's an artist an athlete, an entrepreneur, you have to download it. And so I recognize that, but I just loved the story and the acting was phenomenal. I saw the classic, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, with my family. It came out during my birthday week. So one of my presents was to have my family watch it with me and they obliged. But there was a very sweet movie. Again, I'm just some sweet movies that just was sitting in bars with cake. It surprised me. It was just sweet about friendship, about family, about life, about death, about love, about coming of age. And then Air, which is about the the Nike story and Michael Jordan. So well done. Okay, I'm confessing that 
I don't know if I could say I loved this movie, but I loved watching it with my family because we were all, it was so ridiculous, but Cocaine Bear. I don't know, just the title, right? But it was like so ridiculous and outrageous and everyone was so into it. We're yelling at the TV, we're laughing, we're grossed out, we're cringing. I don't know. It was like a family experience. Yeah, what kind of parenting? We watched Cocaine Bear as a family, all wholesome fun, but we loved it. I was also really touched by You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah. Adam Sandler and his daughters, real life daughters, played his daughters in the movie. And it was one of the better kind of coming of age, not better necessarily, but it just really hit a lot. Um, It touched on a lot. And so I recommend that. There was this movie, it didn't get a lot of press, but the, uh, the movie about the Boston Strangler, it was mostly about the reporters, those two women reporters who had such an uphill battle reporting this story because of, hello, sexism. And the actors that were playing were phenomenal. Um, yeah, I just really, I really enjoyed that. And it got me thinking a lot about how so many uh, before me have paved the way and had to do so much. And we still have a long ways to go. All right. I am going to confess that I've actually been suggesting this movie to people. And that's Old Dads. I don't know how I ended up watching it. I think it was a night where I was having a hard time falling asleep. And there's an actor in this movie that I really like, Bobby Cavalli. I thought, all right, let me check it out. Because I was in, he, he's such a diverse actor. And oh my gosh, is this smart. It's cringy. It's not appropriate for kids. But there were things that were said and things that were addressed in ways in our culture. And oh my gosh, the mom stuff. Now, of course, it's a movie, so it's hyperbolic, but I am surprised that I watched it and that I liked it. And I'm talking and I've been talking to like clients and colleagues about it. I'm like, OK, I think you might like this. They're like, I watched it, too. So I think I'm not alone in that. Um, the Barbie movie. I brought my husband and my son to see it and said we're going. It wasn't a question. and. I mean, I loved it. Yes. I, if you know me, you know that I have talked about Barbie as not a great role model for women, for uh, body, confidence, all this stuff. My goodness. Um, just what a feat by the director, by, by Greta, what Greta did. I mean, like all of it was a delight. Ryan Gosling brought it. I think we all now will talk about like we beach now, right? We beach. There were so many things from that movie. I, I wanted more about maybe, I, I guess there's a part of me wanting more. And that seems probably ridiculous because they what they did was incredible. The speeches, the, the script, Will Ferrell was amazing. I mean, all of it was incredible. I think I need to watch it a second time and just have my notebook with me. But um, I went I went a couple of weeks into the craze. I wasn't wearing pink. Um, but I was like, who's going to go see Barbie? And then I'm like reading about all the people going to see it and how moved they were. I was like, oh, shoot, I got to actually be a, I want to be a part of this. So I actually went and saw it in the theater. So definitely well done. Um, and there's been so much written about that movie and it's so much great commentary that is worth, worth checking out. And it's definitely something that um, was a game changer. 
All right. Saw my Marvel DC movies, Guardian of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, The Flash, which is DC, Ant-Man. Uh, I love them. I love them all. My, my son informed me, though, that The Flash was like one of the lowest performing DC movies of all time. Eh, I know there was some controversy with the actor. I love that stuff. And I actually wanted to go see the last Indiana Jones in the theater. It just, I'm not like a huge fan of it, but as an 80s child, like it just felt really important to go see how this ends and do it in the theater. Yeah. And then just some really cute rom-coms, Finding You, and then somebody I used to know, Allison Breeze in that. And it was just, just sweet. All right. But the TV is where... Oh, there's some juicy stuff, and I don't know if I can cover all of this here. I will say at the top of my list, though, is Fleischman is in trouble. That show, as many people said to me, shook me. Claire Danes, phenomenal. Everyone acting in that was phenomenal. And how they just, I don't want to say too much to spoil it. Um, I don't want to spoil it because it, it just, you have to go into it. It is phenomenal and captured so much of what, women go through trauma, relationships, marriage, parenting, work, sexism, again, I mean, everything. It was powerful. Um, I really enjoyed Based on a True Story, super fun. And the series, The Power, was really provocative. Um, I don't want to say too much. Okay, on Amazon Prime was this series called Deadlock, and it's it was so smart and funny and just odd that I loved it. The Diplomat, oh, so well done. I can't wait for the next season. Wednesday, legend status, so smart. A couple of documentaries, though, Shiny Happy People. I was shook for a while because it landed in a lot of ways. And then the Murdoch murders, so chilling. My whole family got into The Last of Us. I hate zombies. But this one I could tolerate a little. And they'd always kind of wait till the end to show the zombies. It's mostly about the people, but I always, was always stressed. Um, and then I started getting into British crime. So case histories and season one of The Towers. Awesome. And then there's this odd series called Class of 07. Uh, kind of an apocalyptic end of the world class reunion for a bunch of women at a girls school. And it was dark. But there was also like some really interesting cultural commentary that's worth it. Jury Duty, brilliant, brilliant premise. Hunters season two, oh, especially right now, um, really heavy, um, but really well done. You season four, I, it's good. It start, it's starting to kind of like they're going to keep going with this, I wonder. Painkillers, oh my goodness so powerfully well done. Yeah. So well done. Loved Daisy Jones and the six. Loved, loved, loved it. And I've really gotten into the whole Bosch series of so the Bosch legacy. I dig it. I love a good crime show or cop show. That's not, well, it's very copy, but I love it. Fall of the House of Usher. So good. All the light we cannot see. I was late to the party, but finally watched all of Succession. And needed lots of showering afterwards. Holy cow. Um, only Murders in the, in the Building Season 3 loved. Oh my gosh. Lessons in Chemistry. I 
watched it, just kind of like, oh, it's a new show, Apple Plus. It was breathtaking how it was done. Um, the love, again, <laughs> sexism addressed. The character, I mean, everything about it is phenomenal. Morning Show Season 3, I probably could do a whole episode on unpacking Morning Show Season 3. I wasn't sure how I felt about it when it started because it had a different feel. But really, every character just went deep into their humanity. We'll leave it there. I have to say I loved Shrinking, also Apple+. Plus. I have a lot of people asking me about that show. And clearly people have been in therapy. Uh, maybe there were therapists also consulting on the show. No, therapists should never have their clients live with them. I want to be very clear. I did not love that part at all. But there was just so much of the relationship, the realness of it. I just loved it. You know, I, I got to give a shout out to Lincoln Lawyer Season 2, just a, a fun little lawyer crime thing. But there's also this series called Bodies, which is this time-bending thriller. Queen Charlotte. Oh, uh, I did not expect, I should have expected more, but such a, when it comes, I, I wasn't going to watch it. And clients kept saying, Rebecca, I, I'm surprised you're not watching this. You'd like it. They were right. My clients are always right about this stuff. And the depiction of love, mental health, relationships, friendships, so much. Really, really well done. And then just a shout out to Jennifer Lopez in The Mother and All Her Glory. It was awesome. Oh, seasons, finales, or shows that were canceled, billions. I, I really love this show when the final season was like a Gen X Easter egg heaven. So much pop culture drop. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. That's all I have to say. I'm still listening to the soundtrack. I miss them so much. Uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, that ended. So much. So much good stuff in that show. Now, I'm late to the party. I'm Barry, but I got started and ended it. And wow. Wow. Just wow. Uh, but well done. And then some shows that were canceled that I loved. Perry Mason on HBO, which is now Max. I actually really liked that show. I'm bummed it's not coming back. Total One Season Wonder. Such a fun guilty pleasure, but glamorous. Loved it. It was just, I loved the characters. They were, they were not realistic, but it was just fun. I don't know why. It just made me in a good mood. Firefine Lane was canceled after two seasons, or maybe it was supposed to be ending really liked just the story of friendship and love and family. And then I was super bummed. The first season and only season of Alaska Daily was canceled. I really liked that show. I am introducing a new section called Shows I Hate Watched. And I need to just be open with you about this. I hate watch Sweet Magnolias. And my family is so frustrated with me because I keep watching the show. Like when they tell me there's, there's more, I'm like, there's more episodes coming and I'm yelling at the TV and they're like, well, why are you good? Don't watch it. I'm like, I have to, like, you can't not. And I did a little research on hate watching. It's a thing. There's a whole psychological benefit into this. Okay. Virgin River is maybe not full on hate watching, but like, it's getting there. It's getting there. The summer I turned pretty, maybe not full on hate watched, but there was some come on stuff. I was hate watching 
the second season of the Sex and the City, you know, updates. And then I didn't hate it. And then I really loved it. But I started off hate watching it going, what is happening here? And then I watched the latest season of The Real Housewives of New York only because Jenna Lyons, who formerly worked at J. Crew, is kind of like a legend in her own right in so many ways, but her own story is so intriguing to me. But I kind of like my son, like, why are you watching this? I'm like, Jenna Lyons. He's like, what does that mean? What are they, what are they doing right now? Why are they so dressed up when they're just getting tea? Like, why are they talking that way? Are they friends? Or why are they on a trip and they're yelling and punching? You know, they weren't punching, but they were getting a little. Anyways, he like, he would just groan when I put it on. I'm like, oh, Jenna Lyons, I want to see. And she just was so, I just loved how she responded. And then I was watching, you know how they do the, the uh, post-show conversations? Oh my gosh. But also I'm glad it's done because those kind of shows just suck the life out of me. So there you have it. Some of my pop culture debrief of 2023. Thank you for listening to the show this year. I'm honored you took your time to listen to these Unburdened Leader conversations. I don't take that for granted, and I am excited about everything I've planned for the new year. I can't wait for you to listen. So I'm curious, do you have a word for, or words for 2024? And how do you want to debrief 2023? And what's stirring in you around your relationship with work and productivity? However you reflect on the year while also looking ahead, I hope you do it in a way that is not tied up in all the noise and pressure of this time of year. And this is the ongoing work of an unburdened leader. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for joining this debrief episode of the Unburdened Leader. You can find this episode, show notes, and free Unburdened Leader resources, along with ways to work with me at www.rebeccaching.com. And if this episode moved you or you appreciated it, I'd be honored if you left a rating, a review, and shared it with some folks you think may benefit from it. It sure helps us get the word out about the show. And this particular episode was produced by the amazing team at Yellow House Media. Thank you for listening. That's a wrap.